Hi, we're four moms living in Silicon Valley. We all landed here from four different places. Candice from Philadelphia. Jasmine from San Diego. Tamara from Toronto. And Kim from Atlanta. New motherhood can be scary, but beautiful and really overwhelming. So it's nice to have the right people in your corner cheering you on. We found each other and now we want to share with you. Welcome to MomSync. And welcome back to the MomSync. We're so happy you are here with us. And just to update you guys a little bit on life. A lot has been going on and we know that the world has been crazy dealing with the pandemic. And as we have been continuing to navigate this situation, we have come together as our MomSync tribe to really help each other out providing tips and just being a support system as we all try to figure out what's going on in this world. And so first we want to congratulate one of our MomSync members, Jasmine. She has her baby girl and she's so adorable. We are so excited because Jasmine is finally to the party. Congratulations, Jasmine. Thank you. I'm so happy to join the club. The dark side, I should say. (laughs) Yes, and it seems like each episode we've been working closer and closer and closer. And now she's finally here and her cheeks, her little lips, she's so adorable. Oh my gosh, she's just like a big, cute marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) So first, let's just dive right in. We want to hear all about it. Okay, so I had to write notes because the week leading up to her birth was actually insane. I had the most uneventful pregnancy I think anyone could ask for. Barely any nausea, no swelling. I could sleep, you know, all of the things. I I had like minimal or no symptoms, depending on what it was. And then all of a sudden, I was 36 weeks. And I go into my check-in and the doctor is like, oh, do you want to check on your baby? Because she's been breached the whole time uh, and see if she moved. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure her head is right here stuck between my ribs, like in the solar plex area. But sure, why not? So I go to the tech and, um, you know, the techs, you can kind of tell when they see something. And they're like, well, (laughs) the doctor may want to see you after this. Yes. (laughs) So I stay, me and my husband, we stay. And um, the doctor's like, well, your fluid level is really, really low. So I had a 4.7 and the lowest that they like to see is nine. So they're like, we're going to send you to the hospital right now. Um, Don't get scared, but you may be having your baby. Like we're going to check out and make sure everything's fine. But, you know, just so you know that that is a possibility. So here I go freaking out. We're driving to the hospital. The tears are coming, trying to hold them back. And, um, you know, I give my doula a call and she gave me some great advice. You know, she says like, you're in the driver's seat. This is your, you know, this is your thing, all that stuff, like go in empowered and take all of the information and then just make an informed decision. So we go in and we do a non-stress test and we um, get some fluids to see if we can up my amniotic fluid level. And, um, I had a horrid doctor come in and say, well, you're going to be here for the rest of the weekend because your baby's breached. And if you go home and you go into labor, your baby might die. And so, and that's when like the the dam just broke. I'm just like, (laughs) you know, I'm just like a wreck. So, you know, they leave and give us time and, you know, they were telling me that I was having contractions, but I couldn't feel anything, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm not feeling contractions. You know, her heart rate is perfect. 
you know, she's doing really well in there. And I'm like, I really feel like I just need to go home and like decompress and we can, you know, we can come back to this. So uh, they finally, we were there for maybe five hours. They finally let us go around 11 PM and um, they say, you know, come back on Friday. We want to, you know, do another non-stress test. We want to check the placenta and the cord and make sure it's all fine. Um, and um, we'll probably give you a, a round of steroids because if the baby comes early, we want to up her, her lung development. And I was like, okay, fine. So we go in on Friday. They look at the placenta and the cord blood. Everything is great. Her heart rate is still good. She's doing fine. She's moving, all of that good stuff. Um, and then they give me my first round of steroids. It's okay, you got to come back tomorrow because we got to give you two shots. So the second round is the next day. Go to the hospital. I'm feeling good now, you know, like, oh, you know, like I've got this under control a little bit, you know, like we're doing what we got to do for worst case scenario. We're all good. Um, plenty of time to turn her or, you know, let her turn on her own. Second day I go in for the second round of steroids and they want to give me another non-stress test. Okay, fine. You know, she's been fine, but they find something new. They find <laughs> that my blood pressure, surprise, surprise, is elevated. <laughs> and um, they decide, okay, well, you know, your blood pressure is elevated. We're going to check your protein. Check my protein and, uh, in my urine and find that it's a little bit high, that you're not supposed to have any protein in your urine. And I've got like one and the hot and they want less uh, than 0.3. So they're like, you may have preeclampsia. Um, oh, we're going to, you know, like we're going to really clamp down on this because this is not good. You've got low fluid, you've got high blood, you've got um, high blood pressure and all, you know, all of the run the gamut. And so I'm starting to think, oh, I think I may end up with a C-section. And um, so this whole time I had my heart, my mind, my foot, everything set on having a <laughs> vaginal birth and I had was in complete denial about the opportunity or the chance of me having to have a c-section and so I like go into high gear doing research and looking into all of these things and figuring out well the hospital that I am my doctor works at they don't have if I was going to have a c-section they don't really have the type that I would have envisioned so I go on overdrive looking for other hospitals in the area that have more mother-centered family-centered c-sections and, and you I find think you didn't have any pregnancy symptoms or side effects. Yeah. I think that spiral is definitely a pregnancy <laughs> oh, symptom. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's all goodness. good till it's not. Yes. yes. And it just, it all happened, you know? And so I found a hospital that was uh, like 70 miles away. Um, and they are well, well known for that. They, they really try to do what's called a lotus birth, where they birth the baby attached to the placenta still. They uh, drop the drape. A lot of hospitals drop the drape. Um, they put all of your IVs and things in one arm so you can actually hold your baby and have that first skin-to-skin -skin contact. Um, they allow you to have two support people in the room. So for me, that would be my husband and a doula. They, they really try to make the C-section experience more inclusive of the mother as well you know she's just she's not like just the vessel you know holding this baby and I met with the doctor and fell in love with her what I really appreciated was she's actually had um, one of her children she had at home so she really um, is an advocate for women being advocates for themselves through the birthing process um, and I was like well I guess uh, <laughs> 36 and a half weeks in I'm changing doctors <laughs>
so changed mm-hmm. my doctor and um <clears throat> i've got my steroid shots and all that stuff and all, now the game the name of the game is get to 37 weeks because that is what most doctors say is full term so uh, i'm at 36 and a half and i'm checking my blood pressure like every two hours and i'm trying to be as zen as i can and i'm drinking all of the fluid i'm drinking like two and a half gallons of, of fluid a day coconut water and regular water and all that stuff, just in case that it's upping my um, amniotic fluid, because I still would like to try um, an external version, which is turning the baby from the outside um, into um, a head down position. Uh, my doc, my new doctor is was a lot more comfortable giving it a go than my doctor that I had a few days before <laughs> I switched. Um, so she said, as long as your fluid levels are high enough, you know they they're above the threshold, I will try for you. Um, and so, uh, we made it to 37, 37 weeks. And one day, uh, we wake up at 5am and drive to the hospital cause it's an hour away and, um, are praying that this external version works so I can, you know, get that, um, rite of passage, you know, that, that the, the birth that I've been imagining for the last 37 weeks. Um, and, uh, my doula comes and my, my doula, she's just like this little, this wonderful magic woman. She comes in and she talks really soft and she brings the lights down. She's got twinkle lights in her backpack and she pulls them out and she's got, she putting, she's putting these twinkle lights around there and the nurses are coming like, Oh my gosh, it's so nice in here. And and she's got essential oil and she's got this beautiful, like chanting music. She's massaging my hands. And I'm just like, giving birth what is this a spa (laughs) (laughs) and of course they check my blood pressure and it is way low it is like great blood pressure and I'm just like in heaven here and I'm I'm so confident because I'm still in denial about the c-section I was like no but the turn's gonna work you guys look I got this under control the baby's gonna turn (laughs) (laughs) yeah how'd that negotiation work out Oh my gosh, it was like baby 1000 and Jasmine zero. (laughs) (laughs) So we go and you know, they they explain my options about, you know, if you get an epidural and you know, things go south and we need to do a C-section, you're in a much better position for us to just jump on that train. Uh, You know, and if not, and something goes south, there is this small, small chance that we'd have to put you completely under for the C-section, I'm like, absolutely not. There's no way, if I can avoid going under for the birth, I would like to be conscious. So, and this is for the turn. So they're like, all right, we're gonna administer the epidural. Everyone leaves. I had no idea that you're alone with the with the tech, with the um, anesthesiologist putting in the, I had no idea. So I'm like shaking in my boots, you know, like, and I've got, and it's a teaching hospital. So there's two women. They're like, okay, now do this, do this, curl your back, breathe, do it. And they're talking at the same time. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, am I doing this right? They're like, don't move, don't move, don't move. I'm like, okay, I'm trying not to move. Does, <laughs> does anybody know why you can't have other people? In I think the it's more during an epidural. Yeah. I think it's more because they don't want anybody to distract you or Clint, you know, or just like make you jump or anything like that I think that was what my anesthesiologist told me because he actually let they were gonna let Jared stay in but Mm -hmm. they were like you know that's up to you but then they're like I just cleared a room well that's interesting I had a full complement of people in the room I was in the OR because I was having a a c-section and mine was kind of emergent but Mark was there in the room 
and he could actually see um, their faces because they couldn't get the needle in. <laughs> oh yeah. wow! So, yeah, maybe yeah. that's why they don't want exactly. So they don't want <laughs> yeah. So they don't want other people to maybe distract how you. How straight like, a face can you keep? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing a lot of yeah. cat cow, and they were like, "Wait, what's cat cow?" I was like, "You know, like yoga." They were like, "Oh yeah, that's right." I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so, Jasmine, you're getting yeah. the epidural. Yes, and so I'm still, you know, 100% confident. I'm like, I know this um, external version may hurt a little bit, but it's worth it. I'm gonna get the birth that I dreamed of. Blah 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 blah. Like I'm still up on cloud nine, being ridiculous. <laughs> and so I lay on the metal table. And I've got two doctors standing over me and they are, they're like, okay, you ready? We're going to start the turn. And mind you, the epidural has not kicked in oh. <laughs> whatsoever. And so the one person's got two hands on the head and one's got two hands on the butt and they start turning, 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 push, push, push. And the other's like, okay, we got him halfway. We got her halfway. Stop. Um, and then uh, they said, okay, we got her halfway. She's, she's mobile, but we can't get her that other, you know, now she's transverse. And they're like, so we're going to try again. Are you ready? And then so they turn, 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 turn. And then her heart rate drops. And then the whole OR is silent. And we're all just listening to the beep, 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 waiting for her heart rate to recover. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? You know? And finally, her heart rate recovers. And the doctor's okay. This is up to you. We can try and turn her the other way, you know, the opposite uh, direction. If that doesn't work, we're going into a, a C-section. Are, are you okay with this? I'm like, okay, let's just try one more time. You know, if you're saying she's mobile, maybe there's, you know, some, and like her heart rate's fine. So they try and turn her. And finally, on the third turn, um, she uh, the epidural actually kicked in. So I was hoping that my abdomen would have relaxed some to maybe help her. Didn't happen. Go straight into the C-section. I'm like, okay, I don't want, you know, let's not do this anymore. No more stress. Let's just, you know, get her out safely. So and then that's when the, the room gets really busy. People start coming in. There's mm -hmm. trays and drapes and Elishan sit here and sit. He's like right close to my face. And my doula is like whispering to him, like, this is where you want to be. And, da -da 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 -da. and they're, you know, put it stra strapping my arm, not strapping, but, you know, placing my arms out and all that stuff. And um, they start the C-section. Then there's the smells of, you know, and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> and all that good stuff. And, um, they get her out and they're like, are you ready to meet your baby? And then right before they drop the data, they like, okay, we're really sorry. We can't, we can't, um, we can't birth her with the placenta. Uh, and then they pull her out and they take her away. And like, uh, you know, she wasn't breathing when, when she was born, we had to resuscitate her really sorry. But my doctor's phenomenal. She's, she really understood my desire for a vaginal birth and all of that. And so, you know, I knew that they did whatever was necessary, you know, um, because she, you know, understood my priorities. And um, they take the baby away to resuscitate her, which doesn't take long. My husband goes over with her and um, the doctor starts updating me, you know, she says she came out and she was, you know, pale, like most babies come out, but she um, was stuck. She had her feet stuck up in front of her face. Um, and her arms were stuck behind her head. And I think that's probably part of the reason why she wasn't able to turn herself. She had been in that position for a long time. The doctor was imagining that she had just been stuck that way and couldn't get herself out of the position. Um, and that was part of the reason why she wasn't able to turn. Isn't that um, basically how your ultrasound of her looked way back in the day? Yeah, like week 12, there was a photo of her. She had her, hand, her feet up and her hands were behind her head. And it, maybe that was just 
she just kind of as she grew got you know didn't have enough room or something or she was um, like lounging on the lounge chair and just <laughs> kicking and back in yeah. one yes yeah the ultrasound looked amazing yeah I, um tamara said it reminded her of like a, a thug life kind of photo <laughs> <laughs> just chilling hardcore chilling she was <laughs> And you never said that uh, they had to resuscitate her. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, But so there was another doctor there. And then, um, you know, I'm finally starting to breathe like, oh, I can hear her crying. You know, she's close by. They're going to I know they're going to bring her to me. And all of a sudden, she's like, okay, we found a growth. And I'm like, oh, come on, (laughs) like something else. So I had like a large fibroid that had grown in my uterus, which they believed was, you know, because of the increased blood supply, mm. you know, women get, they, they grow fibroids on it. So right. she's like, we're going to remove it now because it's like the shape of a thumb and we don't want it to get hooked on anything or any kind of that stuff while we're sewing up. And so I had to sit there and wait for another doctor to come in to remove it. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I thought they said C-sections were kind of quick, you know, like, I've been on this table <laughs> for a while. So, so, so I'm like, trying as politely as I can I'm all drugged I'm like I'm like looking at my duo like do you think they're almost done do you think they're almost done (laughs) (laughs) and um, I can hear my doctor almost done Jasmine I know I know we're almost done we're almost there we're we're gonna sew you up in just a minute and then you know now I'm not realizing that it you know if they're gonna do a good job it takes them a minute to sew you up nicely you know Mm -hmm. yeah so so then they start sewing you up and I'm like are they almost done are you guys And, you know, and they finally, they bring the baby to me and I'm trying to hold her and I'm shivering because it's really cold for some reason. I think it's the the combination of the drugs and everything. So Elishan ends up holding the baby next to my face and they finally close me up and, um, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to get you to recovery. And they put the baby right on me, skin to skin. And she just starts, you know, scooting around looking for some food and it was great after wow. that, you know, it was, it was pretty intense seven or eight days or so yeah. getting her here. But I, I'm really happy that, you know, she's safe and I'm well. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I think everyone kind of does like the decompress of their, their birth story. And I feel like I'm still kind of in the midst of, you know, figuring out all of my feelings and all of that. But overall, I'm so grateful and so happy. She's beautiful and we're all obsessed and um I'm I'm happy that you know we have the science and the technology to keep everyone safe um but you know there there are always going to be residual feelings because nothing happens ever the way you expect it to especially in pregnancy and birth so yeah well it wouldn't be the mom sync if we didn't have another dramatic delivery but the (laughs) most important thing I think we've all been through one we all have a wild mm-hmm. story, but the most important thing is that we all have our beautiful, healthy bundles of joys yes. that are just growing yes. and thriving. And Jasmine, you delivered right as things were starting to pick up with the pandemic yes. and COVID-19. What was going through your mind as you're having to go to the hospital and all of this other stuff in the world is going on? You know, honestly, I think I was so focused on getting this baby here healthy healthily that it didn't really hit me until I had gotten to our recovery room because we you know now I'm starving because you can't eat anything all day and I hadn't you know I'd been up since five and haven't and hadn't eaten and I was like oh my god I'm so hungry so we order some wings and the driver doesn't want to come into the hospital 
And I'm like, oh, you know, Elshon, what's going on? You know, like what? And he he goes and picks up the food, and he's like, there's like they set up like a triage. It looks like you know, like there's some crazy event going on because they've set up all of these tents and stuff because of coronavirus. Um, and the the driver was nervous and didn't want to come in and and possibly contract something. I was like, oh my gosh, we just had this baby. And, you know, who knows what the the state of our of public health will be when we get home and all that stuff. We were very lucky. We only had to stay in the hospital for two days, which is really short after a C-section. Um, but we were really gr- thankful for that. Um, yeah. But it was it was hard. My mom came up the day after she was born. We could only stay for a few days. And Elishan's mom was around, but also kind of quarantined herself because everyone's, you know, worried about giving such such a young, uh, fresh baby, you know, anything. Um, so it was hard not being able to, you know, show her off to my girlfriends and let her meet her, her brown girl sisters and all yeah, that right. kind of stuff. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like coronavirus was the first, was more on your brain than how you had thought and related to germs? Like, was your plan to leave, you know, have germs in the end? Or no, um, hide your baby. And if coronavirus wasn't there, what would you? Have oh done? yeah, I, I think yeah. If it wasn't there, I think we probably would have stayed in. But I definitely would have invited you know like you girls over, you know, because I know you've all you know we've all had babies recently. We've all been really up on our our personal hygiene and you know getting our flu shots and our our Tdaps and all that. So I would have definitely invited you all over, but. Other than that, not much had changed except inviting, you know, like close friends over to meet her. So Um, speaking of COVID-19, we're all sheltering in place right now because our area is still uh, very much so under lockdown. We're supposed to be coming out of it sooner than later. We don't know exactly how things are going to play out over the next couple of weeks or months. But ladies, as you think about this, we all have to kind of adjust to this new normal as parents. On top of, you know, our new normal as moms and taking care of these babies, but thinking about how do we take care of them in this new normal and the way society is going to function far as being able to go out and about. And I know, especially you, Candace, you have a toddler now and Canon is much more active and wanting to move about. How mm-hmm. are you guys kind of processing what's happening in the world and how you're able to, I guess, shield your little ones from the COVID-19 and the pandemic that's happening right now? So in addition to having a toddler, um, while Jasmine was busy birthing a child, I was also (laughs) moving from San Jose to Oakland. So um, a lot of, you know, what we were trying to figure out and stay, staying focused on keeping Canon safe, we also had to have a large number of people in and out of our house and as we were going back and forth from San Jose to Oakland. Um, so that really informs um, our, it, it was a lot of social distancing, a lot of hand washing, a lot of um, minimizing Canon's exposure um, to the outside world as much as possible. So if there were people in the house or if we had to go somewhere, keeping her away or keeping her inside, um, And that was mostly during the move time. As far as like our activities, so um, we definitely are using a lot more Amazon stuff. Um, We were using uh, gloves to open our boxes. We've since found out now that 
the virus doesn't actually live on the boxes, but we were taking all the precautions, taking note of what the CDC was recommending, um, staying, staying clear. Um, she was a little bit, like you said, Kim, she was a little bit more mobile, but, um, you know, literally we don't go maybe more than 25 feet in either direction of the front of our house. So that's definitely helpful. She does not go to the grocery store um, with us. Uh, she stays home um, and it's either myself or Mark and more Mark than, than me. Um, so I think a lot of it is just being careful. Um, the hand washing thing is not foreign to me. Um, it's not really foreign to any mom <laughs> with a new kid because yes. you are just washing your hands constantly. Um, I just think it probably got kicked up two or three notches. Um, but that part of it was not uncommon. And then, you know, it's also protecting your baby. We've talked about it before, you know, creating that perimeter, that barrier for your child. You know, people love to reach in and touch your child. I think Corona kind of heightened that and was like, oh, okay, I got a bubble. Now it's six feet. Stay back. And stay away from my child. Yeah. Stay away from me. <laughs> so I don't think it was that foreign um, in that respect. And it was also figuring out, you know, there was a little bit of a run on different things like toilet paper and blah, blah, blah. And it was thinking, oh, shoot, what, what, what am I going to need? Like, what should I double dip on and make sure I have in the hole, if you will? So I did make sure to get additional um, um, Tylenol. Motrin, um, that kind of informed my decisions with um, Corona, uh, making sure to have enough diapers and um, wipes. Yeah. Um, I think something of, alongside of preparing yourself or, you know, making sure that you're able to keep things sanitized, I think alongside of that, the thing that had me a little bit worried was just kind of creating the sense of normalcy for Juliet and her routine and not keeping her so sheltered in the house so that when things were lifted that it would be such a shock to her system so like simple things like taking her for a walk it took me a while to get you know back into that process of like just taking her out and going for a walk around the neighborhood and so now that's a part of our daily routine and kind of letting her get fresh air and we just keep you know to ourselves we, we make sure that we walk in areas that there aren't any people really and then the other thing is like that I didn't really even think about. She had not been in a car for two months. So when we finally had to go to the doctor, it was like wow. starting all over. She literally screamed at the top of her lungs wow. when we had to put her into the car seat. And it was just like such a shock. And then mom has to put this mask on and I'm getting out the car and then taking her into, this is the first time that we took her out in public. And so everyone has on mask and she's like the doctor. And it could be very scary to see all of this and you're like, what in the world happened? Like, I, you know, like everyone's talking to me. I can only see their eyes. And so, yeah, it was really a shock when we took her to the doctor. So now Jared and I make a point of going on a little drive around, whether it's through the neighborhood or a part of the city that we haven't seen before and just kind of like getting her out maybe twice a week so that she's not just cooped up at home and that she can kind of, remember like oh it's okay and the car is a cool place to be like it's you know I can chill out and have my snacks and be okay and so uh mm -hmm. that sense of normalcy was something that I worried about and I actually asked my um, pediatrician about it too because like thinking about socialization and just like how 
they're developing all these skills, but you know, she's not quite to the point where it's going to be so important for her to interact with other kids just yet. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine like parents who have a little bit older, you know, their children are a little bit older and not being able, if they're the only child and they depend on daycare and, you know, other opportunities, play dates to interact with children, then it could be very difficult to kind of navigate. How do you continue on, especially not knowing when there's going to be a vaccination ready and available to accessible to everyone. So I think even Tamara, as you think about like how you kind of continue some of your normal routines with Adeline, what are some things that you've been doing at home that kind of help her, uh, I guess, kind of stay the course? Well, I think uh, when coronavirus sort of started here and everybody started to get really hyped up, she was still really young. So this was, she was about three, three and a half months when things started to get real. And so it wasn't so different. Our life wasn't so different. I was pretty neurotic and I will call myself that now um, as a new mom and in the face of germs. So you know, washing my hands a ton. I didn't really want a lot of strangers around her. Um, was very paranoid if somebody, you know, was even remotely, um, you know, germy at all. So I think I went into a bit of overdrive. Well, I know I went into a bit of overdrive, you know, going out and I've seen way too many apocalypse movies and basically that's where I went. I thought that there was going to be shortages of food. I thought that there was going to be shortages of, you know, not just toilet paper, but the supply chain was going to break down and everybody was going to basically turn into zombies. Um, So for Adeline, I don't think it really made a difference. She didn't, she's still too young to actually feel any sort of jolt into her life. Uh, and it's just, she's, she'd basically been, you know, kind of quarantined from, from birth in the sense that, you know, you guys are my circle and most of our family's not here. So, and we weren't getting outside except for walks and other things for long periods of time. So it really hasn't been that disruptive, but going forward now is when I start worrying about the socialization aspect we were just starting to go to mom groups we were just about to enroll in swimming lessons so we were just on the cusp of getting out and doing all that socialization and now it's just a complete halt so I do worry that you know our kids are are going to be very um, fearful of strangers or other people that aren't us and maybe won't develop socialization skills as as well as other kids who have been socialized or have brothers and sisters. So there's, there's a concern there. And I, I've definitely relaxed on my (laughs) coronavirus. I think we were all at that point, like really concerned, like even more so um, just being protective and that's what moms do. Right. So I I don't even judge you for that. (laughs) I was there too. Thank you. I think though, um, for Cannon though, as you know, she's the kind of the mayor of our apartment. So I, I noticed that for her, um, she doesn't quite get the concept of the quarantine. So if we see people as we're walking on our neighborhood or whatever, you know, we keep this 12 or 12 feet distance because they're usually on the other side, but I literally sometimes have to hold her back from her streaking over <laughs> to say hi or right. give somebody a hug. So um, 
the other day we did break quarantine with our friends and you know we did we went through a laundry list okay have you been sick what are your quarantine habits <laughs> Do you go out? Do you use gloves? Yeah. Do you wash your hands? It was literally like we were doing an interview. And so when they got here, I mean, we were still, all of us were a little anxious about the whole thing. Um, but we kind of relaxed a little bit. We still sat like four feet apart on the sofa, kind of kept our distance type of thing. But Canon could not have been more thrilled to see people. I mean, she literally like squealed with delight. So um, you know, it, it, and for her, she was again, like you, Tamara, she was on the cusp of, you know, starting daycare or, you know, just being out and about with kids. So I, I'm sure there may be a little bit of um, missing that on her part, but I don't know that she knows what that feeling is. So um, it's mm -hmm. maybe it's me projecting my mom. Uh, view or mom guilt or whatever it is onto her but I know that she does children are social creatures um, and you know she enjoys looking at um, Adeline and looking at Ju Juliet on um, when we do hangouts and FaceTime, FaceTime. And so um, mm -hmm. I imagine that when we all do get together in person she is going to have the time of her life <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. clearly, speaking of uh, our daily routine, Juliet is coming in from her daily walk around the neighborhood. So if you guys hear her in the background, she's just a little bit excited before we get ready to wind down. But, you know, guys, we don't know how long the situation is going to last. We don't know how long uh, we're going to be um, basically in this new normal. And I think that people are saying, Hey, I can't wait to get back to normal. And I honestly think that that's the wrong way to even think about it. It's like more so back to operational is the term I would use because Function. that's when, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when things start to move again and people are back out and about, um, we've seen some crazy things though. People are just all out on the beaches and just, yeah. you know, having day parties and all kinds of things, which really freak me out. But as you guys think about this next year or so, even companies are planning out like no large gatherings for the next year or, you know, sporting events are being postponed. Um, so as you guys think about as we get prepared to maybe reopen the cities, how soon do you think that you'll be comfortable even like taking your children out and about? Jasmine, do you have any kind of thought about when you think you'll be okay with like kind of doing some of those like normal day-to-day -day things like going to the library or being around other children it's so hard because I feel like I've kind of come to terms with the the idea that COVID-19 is going to be with us for a while it's going to be around for a while and it's kind of like how do we learn to live with it and um you know, not just operate from a place of fear, but also, you know, like try and find ways to, to like, like you said, get to it operational and not just kind of like hang back and let, and let life kind of go by. Um, so I honestly, I honestly don't know. I mean, I feel like things like taking her to the grocery store of things that are not like non-essential for her to attend will definitely probably still stay on hold for a while. But, um, you know, uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, birthday parties and things like that. Smaller gatherings that are more controlled, I think definitely we'll probably start dipping our toes into. 
um, around, uh, you know, groups of people, not, not necessarily that we trust them more, but just we, we understand their habits and mm-hmm. how, you know, they're taking care of themselves. And is it the same kind of ways that we are? Um, those types of things, I think we're, we are going to slowly start um, pivoting toward and not just kind of staying in this isolated spot yeah. for too much longer. So every episode of The Mom Sync, we have our mom hack. So get ready because it's a good one. Hi, this is Candace. So my mom hack uh, has to do with toddler playtime. Um, so one thing that's been new for me with the quarantine is that I did start a new job. And my husband and I switch on and off um, between childcare and Zoom meetings. So a lot of times as we move in between the different spots in the house, um, what I try to do to keep Canon engaged, but also to keep the television from being her only source of entertainment when I'm either otherwise slightly occupied with the Zoom meeting is I set up something called like toy areas. And so it doesn't have to be a big space, but I set up very defined toy areas. So she'll have toys that are tactile. So things that are wooden blocks or things that she can build with. And then she'll also have an electronic one, depending on how loud it is. And then she'll have another electronic or a tactile toy doll or what have you. And then I'll also put out a book. So that's kind of four work areas that she can kind of work through or, um, or hover through um, when we had that time. It also teaches her to play and entertain herself, um, which I think is an important skill set, not only for any child, but certainly for only children, um, for right now anyway, <laughs> to learn how to play, uh, play <laughs> with themselves or play by themselves and entertain themselves safely. So that's my mom hack. Amazing. We're definitely taking notes from you, Candice. We appreciate your mom hack. And we're so excited, Jasmine, that you are now a part of the mom club. Welcome, Aisha. We're so excited. And we cannot (laughs) wait for our first play date. So speaking of thinking about social gatherings, you guys are the only people invited to Juliet's birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, how do we plan this? Okay, the mom sink. That's it. That's all I need. Yep. You guys are my tribe, and so I'm so happy to share in all of this with you guys and be able to just go through life together as our core, as our tribe, and, you know, just really feeding off of one another. So I appreciate you ladies. And for Candace, Jasmine, and Tamara, I'm Kim, and we'll see you next time on The Mom Sync.